Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Alicia Braceland, who is a singer, voice teacher, and certified teacher of the Alexander Technique. And she, um, she after she studied the Alexander Technique and finished her master's in vocal performance at the New England uh, Conservatory of Music. She's been teaching voice in New York City and northern New Jersey for many years. She's also written a great a great number of articles about the Alexander Technique for singers. And they're on her website, which we'll list by the interview. And we're, we're going to be doing a series of podcasts uh, about singers. And we're starting today with a breathing for singers and how the Alexander Technique can help. So the, the, this uh, discussion will be aimed uh, directly at singers, but it could apply to um, meditators, for example, or woodwind and brass players. So it's a, it's a little more general than just for uh, singers. So Alicia, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert. Glad to be here. Well, it's good to it's good to have you on the, on the show. And I wonder if you can begin by giving our listeners a very a brief description, kind of an elevator description of the Alexander technique. Absolutely. In reference to breathing, um, the Alexander technique is a wonderful way to get rid of excess tension and really key in on the natural reflexes that we possess and uh, that can do things better for us than we can possibly try to make happen on our own. Mm-hmm. That's, that sounds good. And um, singers, of course, um, breathing is a, is a big issue for singers, right? Maybe you could discuss that in general a little bit before we talk about how the technique can, can help. Absolutely. Breathing is critical for singers. Um, how we inhale, how we take in the breath, is almost as important as how we're actually exhaling and utilizing it. Um, we want to be able to, as singers, release as much tension as possible, really access those reflexes that we have to breathe, which are extraordinarily strong. And um, when we can do that, it helps the, the sound of the voice tremendously. It, get, it gets rid of excess tension. It solves a lot of problems right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So um, I think um, there are some misconceptions among singers and others about what one needs to do to breathe effectively. For example, I, I, I would imagine that there are a lot of people uh, in, in the world of singers and um, woodwind and brass players and meditators and all the rest who would think that uh, it's important to take a deep breath. And you might have something to say about that. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the deep part is wonderful. The take is the part that gets a little trickier. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so could you elaborate on that? Because that's not, that's really, I think almost everybody has been told to do that at one yeah. point. You go, you go to for a physical exam and your doctor will say, well, now take a deep breath. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's interesting for such a critical um, part of our bodily processes, how little anyone knows about breathing. Mm -hmm. um, if you do research on the web, 
for breathing, for singing, then you'll get a lot of um, teachers who are constantly saying, you have to breathe from your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. However, if you go to any sort of doctor Mm -hmm. or any sort of anatomical uh, look at the breathing process, no one mentions the diaphragm as being important in that sense. So um, there's been a misconception that started probably at least least 100 years ago, if not more, that the diaphragm is very critical. Um, And people will say, oh, I know I need to breathe from my diaphragm as soon as they come to my voice studio. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, actually, I don't really talk about the diaphragm. Um, Mm -hmm. The diaphragm is working when we inhale Mm -hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't work when we exhale. It's releasing and relaxing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and people have the conception that the diaphragm is working while they're actually singing on the exhalation. Mm-hmm. So that's one huge misconception that really needs to be um, really needs to be discussed on a much more general basis so that people understand what's actually working when they breathe. Um, but to get back to your question, um, yes, taking a breath isn't really that necessary. Um, we breathe all the time. How many times a minute? 12 times a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes less if we're doing um, heavy exercise. Oftentimes we need to breathe more. Um, this is a bodily process that happens on its own. So um, in order to take, uh, in order to have more breath come into our lungs and come into the lower lobes of the lungs, which is very critical mm-hmm. for singers and for woodwinds and and brass players as well as meditators because that's where we can control it when it goes into the lower lobes of the lungs Um, then what we really need to do is um, exhale enough air so that there's room in the lungs Mm -hmm. once there's less air in the lungs themselves that creates a, a difference in the air pressure so there's more pressure outside in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. in whatever space you're in, than there is inside the lungs. At that point, all you have to do is open, and the air will automatically flow in. Right, exactly. And I think that that idea that you you really need to get the old air, as it were, out to provide mm. room for the new air... Um, that's not a concept that's generally understood, and yet when it's explained well, it, it's pretty obvious. It 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 is. Um, it's because um, so many of us breathe on in a quite shallow way in our regular lives. We don't need a huge um, intake of oxygen, so we just breathe like one and a half liters, two liters, something like that, coming into the top part of the lungs. Mm-hmm. And then that same amount goes out. And this is what we're doing at rest when we're reading, studying, watching TV, when we walk maybe just a little bit more, but we don't need need that much. However, um, for singing, woodwind, brass playing, meditating, these things that do require um, a different type of breathing, we want the breath to go low. So in order to do that, what is extraordinarily helpful is releasing in the abdominal wall. Mm -hmm. So the front part of the stomach, um, all the way from, I would say, the solar plexus down to the top of the pelvic arch. Mm -hmm. You want that to be um, flexible and to be able to release. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, then all of the internal organs can go out a little more. Mm -hmm. 
that creates more space for the diaphragm to press down, and then that creates more space inside the lung cavity. So basically everything is sort of moving out of the way so that the lungs can extend more and the air can go lower into the, into the lobes of the lungs. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the necessity for, for that, I, I, as, you, as you were just speaking, I, I do quite a bit of swimming, and there's mm. an area where you definitely want to get as much air in as possible. Yes, that's true. Athletes absolutely need to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, by releasing, so when swimming, if you can also try to think about releasing your stomach so that um, it goes out as you're inhaling, then that will give you a little extra room for more air inside your lungs. And there you need to stay oxygenated. It's very important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. So, um so having said everything that you said, how does the Alexander technique, or how can, can it help uh, with that process you just described of, of, of softening that area of your, uh, the muscles in your lower torso in front, basically? Yes. The Alexander technique is tremendously helpful to really make people first more aware of what their habits of breathing already are. Mm-hmm. to allow them to calm any sort of reactions that they would have using inhibition mm-hmm. so that they then have the ability to control that, right? Alexander Technique is all about um, bringing what our habit is up to a conscious level mm-hmm. where we can work on it, change it, transform it, and then allow it to sink back down to a subconscious level. So the word inhibition that you mm-hmm. you use that's that's an Alexander uh, yes. phrase. Could you uh, elaborate on that just a little bit? And perhaps we should make it really clear that it has nothing to do with Freud's uh, idea of right. inhibition. Exactly, a completely different uh, concept. Um, F.M. Alexander used inhibition as a way to describe um, stopping or pausing. And this is an active mental process that we do using our thinking to say, I, I choose to just pause for a moment so that I can control. I can make a choice as to what I want to do instead of having my habitual reaction just come out. So very different from inhibition. It's stopping, but in a much more positive, <laughs> positive sense. Right, right, exactly. Um, so if uh, if a, a, a singer came to you, um, and let's say specifically for breathing uh, mm-hmm. because of breathing issues, could you could you say a little about what what their experience might be during the first lesson? Well, um, what I do is I I do work a lot with the reflexes for singers mm-hmm. and. Um, Oftentimes, they have um, no awareness that their reflexes are there, that their reflexes are this extraordinarily strong tool that they can utilize. So um, I'll ask them about their previous experience, what they've learned from teachers. Oftentimes, it's a little vague, and Mm -hmm. they were kind of left on their own with Mm -hmm. just um, a couple of ideas. And um, namely about the diaphragm. And um, so I explained to them how breathing works and the fact that um, the lung cavity needs to expand, which is done by allowing the um, 
abdominal wall to soften and also allowing the rib cage to expand up and out in sort of a, a wing-like wing-like movement um, or like the, the old-fashioned bellows for a fire or a, a bucket ha- a bucket handle for example or- coming out I've seen that analogy used sometimes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. But um, so I explained to them what needs to happen. Then I asked them to um, put their hands on their stomach mm-hmm. and oftentimes on their um, upper chests. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people, even when they think they've had experience, they might have had a number of voice lessons, but they're not aware that they're still using this emergency breathing um, apparatus that we have at the very top. So when we're gasping for breath, this pulls in enough oxygen to keep us alive. Mm -hmm. Um, But that can become habit. So um, I'll have people just try to use their awareness at first to um, explore what's actually happening. They'll look in the mirror and they can start to see, oh, this is what's really happening. When they become more aware, then automatically things begin to work better because they have an idea of what's what the situation is then i'm sorry oh so you're you're giving him a little lesson in practical anatomy or the practical oh. anatomy of breathing well you know it's super helpful so, absolutely you know, if, yeah if, if, if you have an instrument you need to understand how your instrument works right. and for singers the instrument is all hidden which makes it more challenging than other instruments so it's even more important that singers understand exactly what's happening and what they need to do then once they have a little bit of an idea of that i'll go over and i'll put hands on and I've developed a particular exercise that um, has some elements of the whispered ah, which is a very, very famous um, um, game, as F.M. Alexander used to call it, that the, that the founder uh, mm-hmm. created. Um, that and um, reflexive breathing. So I will put my hands on their ribs. I'll ask them to exhale and I'll um, put a little gentle pressure to help their rib cages just release down and in Mm -hmm. and help the air come out. Then I ask them to pause and wait after they've exhaled the air so that there's a chance for the lungs to register that, oh, we don't have enough oxygen inside us. Mm-hmm. We need to open up and allow the oxygen in. This will help that beautiful reflex snap into snap into action to bring air in. And then all you have to do is just open and release and the air f- literally falls into the lungs. Mm-hmm. Then the same thing. You expel the air. As, as you have done it a couple more times, then you're expelling the air more quickly, using the lower abdominal wall to push it out. And then you wait, and then you, boom, the reflex opens up the ribs, it expands the abdominal wall outwards, and the air falls in. So they get an immediate experience of what it's like to have this reflexive breathing working for them. Mm-hmm. And it's an eye-opening experience for every singer I've ever, I've ever used it with, um, because then they say, "Oh, we can do. Th- I could do this for singing. This would be so much easier. This would be less work." And that's the point. Singers have to be lazy. We have to do the least possible amount of work for the most possible, <laughs> best possible right, gain. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, basically, you're you're guiding them through 
an exploration of a, of a return to a more natural state of breathing. Yes. Sort of breaking, not breaking, but getting them out of their habitual way of breathing so that they can experience what efficient breathing can actually be like. Yes, and the reflexes are infinitely more efficient than our um, created ways of breathing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. I, th- I think that most people uh, don't realize or don't translate the, the, what, like when you hear, if you hear a weather forecast and it'll tell you about barometric pressure, so many pounds per square inches, there, the atmosphere is pressing in on us with almost 15 pounds per square inch of pressure. Mm. That air wants to get wherever it can go. And all you have to do is create a vacuum and in it goes. Absolutely. And the vacuum is not created by sucking in air, really. It's created by letting the diaphragm and ribs do their thing. And the abdominal wall, right. And the abdominal Mm -hmm. wall, which which facilitates the... Mm-hmm. The amount of Everything movement else. the diaphragm can make, yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly right, exactly. And, you know, I never had one voice teacher explain that to me. I actually had to figure it out for myself. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's 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 amazing. And, uh, you know, one thing, just to get back to anatomy for a second, I, I, years ago I did an interview with a, another Alexander teacher who works a lot with musicians, and she, we were talking about what kind of anatomical knowledge they have. And she said, well, most musicians don't know any anatomy except, she said, singers. But what they know is usually wrong. <laughs> Which, that's, that's interesting. I yeah, think there's I an think element of truth. There's an element of truth in that. You get, if you get a violinist or, or, uh, you know, a, 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 a instrumentalist comes in for a lesson. They they'll freely admit they have no idea where anything <laughs> is. But but singers have all sorts of interesting conceptions about where stuff is and and what they need to do to make make things happen. Yeah, you know that's a that's a really good point. Um, what I find is interesting with instrumentalists is they tend to know things once they've had some sort of injury. Mm-hmm. And they've had to really sort of look into it. Then, then they've learned something, right? Um, right. But yeah, um, you know, that's a good point. Um, there is a lot of misinformation out there that um, singers latch onto because it's the only thing that they have, and they need something. They have no instrument; they can't even see it. <laughs> so right. yeah. you need you need something to latch onto. But it's better to try to find out the real information that's going to be helpful versus you know, sort of old myths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we're coming uh, uh, towards the end of our time here, but I wonder if there's anything you'd like to add before we uh, bring this conversation to an end. Okay. Well, we haven't really talked about the exhalation part. Okay. Um, which is crucial for um, for singers, absolutely. Um, and the Alexander technique is uh, just as helpful, if not more so, in that area. Because it allows you to really understand what's happening with your support, really be able to feel it with awareness, one of the large uh, pillars of the Alexander Technique, 
um, be able to enter into the process with the same inhibition concept we were discussing before, and then be able to direct it by using the conscious mind and be able to improve it. The other part of the Alexander technique that I think a lot of singers are missing Mm -hmm. is the fact that um, singing is all about the basics. And when um, it's not just learning a skill and saying, okay, now I can forget about it. It's always going back to the basics and refining and refining and refining. And that is particularly true of breathing. So it's not just so, okay, well, now I'm doing some reflexive breathing, so now I'm good. No, you want to get it better and better and better. The better you get it, the better your sound gets. And that getting it better and better, would you say that that is something that your student is primarily going to have to do on their own between lessons? Well, practicing is incredibly important because Mm -hmm. that's when everything gets reinforced. Mm -hmm. So it's a singer's job to pay attention in the lessons, understand what's happening. Um, and then take enough information from the lessons to go home and practice right. and play, play around with it and to be, be their own scientist, right? Mm-hmm. And their experiment is their own vocal instrument. Yeah, so. I, I, would, I would agree. I, I would say that to the extent that you can, one, a teacher can get their students to think of everything they do as an experiment, Mm. the better off everyone's going to be that and and yes. that gives them a certain liberty to try something that might seem crazy and see what happens you know and not Absolutely. and not and not being a big deal there's no failure in in that yes. you're just gathering information you're you know, gathering information exactly. and that's so important sometimes it's more important to understand what doesn't work and then you're like okay i tried that it doesn't work now let me try this and mm-hmm. then it 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 gives you the whole range of experience you don't want to just know what works then if you get sick, if something happens, you have no experience about what doesn't work. You want that experience. You want to fail. Mm-hmm. You want to fail and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And there's no blame. Say, okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, I'll go back to my lesson. I'll get some more information and I can try again. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, this might be a great place to bring our conversation to a close. Um, my guest today has been Alicia Briceland. She's a singer, voice teacher, and Alexander Technique teacher in um, New York City and northern New Jersey. Uh, I'll be putting a link to her website by the interview. So if you're in that area and you want to uh, follow, follow up on what we've been talking about, give her a call. I'll also put a link to a site where you can find a, a teacher in your, uh, in your area. So, uh, Alicia, thank you so much for this. Great. Thank you, Robert. It's been fun.